Yo, what's up, Rock Church? It's Clay Finkley, uh, one of the pastors here on staff. And, man, I'm so excited for you to be checking out this podcast of our sermon this past weekend. It was a powerful weekend where we talked about serving the Lord. And, and that's just every area of our life because we have a tendency to try to serve a bunch of different gods. But there's really only one God, one Lord that we should be serving and uh we're excited for you to to listen to this uh hopefully you're able to connect to something discover something and then uh, respond to it just like many of us have so thank you for checking out the podcast and uh we will see you guys soon thanks well how's everybody doing today you guys good good so it's good to see you guys. I want to welcome you here. And for some of you, you're here all the time and thankful and grateful for you. Some of you, maybe it's your first time with us or, or new with us. If that's the case, thank you for coming. Uh, you already heard Clay say it once, but, but we're here. And as a church, we want to help people find what matters. And we know that happens best when you connect uh, to Jesus and to others. So we want to help you do that. And uh, one way to do that is make sure if you're on campus, stop by our connect wall out in the lobby or a new here tent if you're new. Um, another way to do that is get involved with our pathway group. Um, I want to celebrate. We had a great group at our 10 o'clock service, go through pathway. That group is now full, but we will be starting another one in about eight weeks. Pathway is an eight-week uh, small group experience to help you connect with Jesus and others. So if you haven't been through it yet, make sure you think about it on this next round. All right, now we're in this series that, that is called Better. And with better, what, what our whole goal is, is that we want to get better by doing what is best. And we talked about this a little bit last week, that, that we said when it comes to our families, when it comes to marriage, that, that we just all could get better. And, and the way to do that is to do what is best. And, and I want to tag onto that today. I want to add on to that. But, but I want to start by, by simply asking a question. And I don't know if it's a simple question or not. It might be hard to answer, but, but here's the question. What is your family known for? Like, think about that for a second. Like, what is your family known for? Like, as individuals, as a family, you're known for something. Uh, I'll, I'll illustrate it this way. Like, restaurants are known for something. Uh, that, for instance, uh, Chick-fil-A is known for my pleasure. That, that, that uh, let's think of another one. Krispy Kreme is known for the hot light. That Olive Garden is known for unlimited breadsticks. That McDonald's is known, in my opinion, by its Diet Coke. Right? You with me? Like, French fries are good, cheeseburger's great, but Diet Coke, let's go. Uh, steak and Shake. Anybody know Steak and Shake? Like, we call that Steak and Wait. You know what I'm saying? But it's worth it, isn't it, Mark? Right? You know what I mean? So, and then, so, so that's like restaurants are known for things. Sports teams are known for things. Like we could talk football for a second. That when it comes to football, uh, Clemson is known for Howard's Rock and the way they run down the hill. That Carolina is known uh, for their towels and, and sandstorm. Uh, Coastal is known uh, for shots up. Uh, we, we could go pro and... Uh, 
Um, New England, well, New England's known for being cheaters. <laughs> Are you with me? Did somebody yell winner? Where did that come from? No, like, for all my New England people, I love you, but you know, and don't worry, I won't just pick on you, because then there's the Dallas Cowboys, and Dallas is known for choking during the playoffs. Am I right? Some of you are like, praise God, right? You know what I mean? But, but we'll see. Um, but, but, but we're known for different things. What, what is your family known for? Well, like, like maybe your family is known by your occupation. Like maybe in your family, it's been the same occupation kind of passed down through generation that, that maybe your family is known for occupation. Uh, maybe your family is known for your wealth. Maybe your family is known uh, for generosity. Uh, maybe your family is known for uh, your just good looks. Like there's some families that are just better looking than others, all right? That, that we know that, that they're, they're, they're maybe, Maybe, maybe those things didn't come to your mind when I asked you that question originally. Maybe what came to your mind is, what is your family known for? Chaos, crazy, dysfunctional. Have I hit any of us yet? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, that, that maybe your family is known for prison time. Maybe your family's known for addictions. Maybe your family's known for divorce. Like what your family could be known for could be good or it could be bad. Like our families are all known for something. What would be the best thing for our family to be known for? Have you thought about that before? That, that, that with this message and with this series that that I started thinking, well, I, I don't want to just have some of the things that my family is known for. What could be the best thing that my family could be known for? Because if I want to get better by doing what is best, then I want my family to do what is best. And, and with that, I can tell you what I want my family to be known for. I, I can tell you what I want myself to be personally known for, what I want my family to be known for, and what I want this family to be known for. And it's the same thing that I hope that you are known for, and your family is known for, and that we are known for, and here it simply is, that we serve the Lord. It's that simple. That what I want to be known for is a person who serves the Lord. What I want my family to be known for is a family that serves the Lord. I want this church to be known for the way that we serve the Lord. And I don't mean like the ministries we do. That, that's going to happen. Like that'll happen. People might talk about our vision ministries or, or our worship ministries or our recovery ministries. That's all well and good. But, but all of that should stem out of the fact that at this church... We serve the Lord, period. Amen? We serve the Lord. Like, that's what it's all about. And I want that for my family. I want that for me personally. That sure, there's some little things that'll be about my life, but I want it to all come from this center point of that my life and that my family's life is built on serving the Lord because that is what is best and it is what will help us to be better. Now, why do I say all that? Well, I take it straight from Joshua's life. 
If you were here last week with us, we said we're going to go through the book of Joshua. And um, last week we started with chapter 1. Today we're going to go all the way to the end and look at chapter 4. Excuse me, chapter 24. And then over the next few weeks we'll go back and we'll hit some of the stuff in the middle. But in chapter 24, Joshua stood up in front of a group of people much larger than this. Because what Joshua did is he got his family together. And then he got his tribe together. And then he got all of Israel together. And he said, guys, that, that I'm coming to the end of my life. I've lived a long life, a good life. I've been, I've been, been with y'all. And, and, and as we're coming to the end of my life, he's kind of given a farewell speech. And as part of that farewell speech, he, he starts it by saying, hey, I want you to remember the Lord He's the one who led Abraham uh, to the land that, that God was showing him. That the Lord was the one that led Joseph to Egypt. It was the Lord who led Moses and the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the Lord who walked with us in the wilderness. And it was the Lord who led us over the Jordan and into the promised land. That, that he's having this speech with him. He's saying, hey, I want you guys to remember the Lord is our God. And then with that in mind, he says, so now I've got a question for you. Let, let me pick it up for you. It's verse 14, and verse 14 reads like this. This is Joshua speaking. So he says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away, the, put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. And serve the Lord alone. Like, look at a couple things here. One, it says this, serve him wholeheartedly. Like, meaning that, like, like serve the Lord with every ounce of your heart. Not with a little bit of your heart. Not, not with this part of your heart saying, God, you've got this, and, and, and my career's got that, and these people have this part. That, that he's saying, don't divide your heart. He's saying, with 100% of your heart, serve the Lord. Serve the Lord alone. And then he goes on and he adds to it. He says this, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? That, that he's basically saying, hey, are, are you going to serve like the old gods? Like the gods of the Egyptians? Or are you going to serve the, the new gods, the, the gods of the Amorites? Like, I feel like a little Game of Thrones here, you know what I'm saying? Like, is it the old gods that you're going to worship? Is it the new gods you're going to worship? Or is it the real, true God? And then he follows it up with this last statement. He says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You judge for yourself. Who do you want to serve? Do you want to serve the God of the Egyptians? Those old gods? Those gods that our ancestors like used to worship when they lived back in, in Egypt? Or are you going to serve the, the new gods of the Amorites that you're, that you're living in now? Or are you going to worship the true God? Choose today who you will serve. And then obviously he said that famous line, but as for me... As for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
And I want you to, I want you to dig deep on this today. That, that, that this is a hard-hitting message today. Not that I'm going to preach hard. I'm just going to ask you to evaluate that on a hard level in your own life. What gods do you serve? Like, do you worship the true God? Do you serve the true God, Jesus Christ? Or do you serve other gods? See, see, we could take what Joshua said to the Israelites some 3,000 years ago, and we could put it right into today's language. Because you could easily say, do we serve the old gods of our past? Do we serve some of the present gods of this age? Or do we serve the true God? And you might go, okay, Josh, I, I, I'm a little confused. What are the old gods? Well, I'll tell you one old god that I think sometimes we serve, that if you were to do an audit of your life and, and you were to look inwardly and you'd say, do I serve the true God or an old god? I could say it this way. Do you serve the true God or money? See, money's an old god. Money has been an old god for thousands of years. Now, you can go all the way through history and people have worshipped money. Ask yourself, do you serve money? Is money your God? And you might go, well, how would I know that? Well, just ask yourself, you know what? Do, do you serve God or Target? Do you serve God or Amazon? Do you, do you serve God or MasterCard? Do you serve God or Disney? I think for some of us, if we are to be honest, we've invested more time, more money, more of our lives into Disney and the Amazon and the Target than we have the Lord. Like I hear stories all the time like, oh, it's a Target day. You know what I'm getting at a little bit though? Like we got we to be careful there because there's this old God of money that will raise its head. There's an old God that I'll call it this, I'll just call it time. That how do we invest our time? Do we invest our time in serving the Lord or do we invest all of our time in this worship of this false God? Do, do, we, do we use our time? Maybe that's a good way to look at it. Do we use our time for social media? Do we use our time for our phone? Do we use our time for our activities? Do we use our time for our, our athletics, for our hobbies, for travel ball, for all this kind of stuff? And nothing's wrong with that, okay? Like I played many a days and been a parent with, at many travel ball leagues. I play golf all the time. Nothing wrong with that, okay? But you have to ask yourself the question, which one has a bigger place in your heart? God or my time and my activities? Well, or how about this one? Which one do I offer more praise to? God or something else? Like, do I praise my kids? Do, do I praise my team when they score a touchdown? And, and again, nothing wrong with that. We should praise our kids. We should encourage our kids. We should lift our kids up. And there's nothing wrong with celebrating when your team scores a touchdown. Yet, for some of us, we are way more concerned with the name of a jersey, a name of, uh, of a team on a jersey, than we are with the name Jesus Christ. That we get more excited when our team scores a touchdown than we do when somebody gives their life to Christ and takes a step of baptism. That we'll cheer super loud at our TV, yet when we see somebody take a step of baptism here, we'll be like, oh, that's nice. 
Last time I checked, the angels in heaven are not cheering when your team scores a touchdown. But they are every time when somebody gives their life to Christ. Right? So, so again, nothing wrong with that. Enjoy it. I think that's just one of the, the beauties of the world we live in, that we can enjoy that. But it can't take precedent. Here's a different one. Those are what I call some of the old gods. How about a new God? I, I think a new God is our identity and our ideologies. Like, I think that we've taken ourselves and our view of ourselves and our desire for ourselves and everything we believe about ourselves, and we've placed it so high on the pedestal that we have now become a God. That we'll take our identity and say that this is who I am, and because of who I am, I need God to get in alignment with that. Or, or our ideologies, things that we believe, things that we think, and, and we'll put our ideologies and what we believe on such a pedestal that we're like, God, you've got to get in alignment with this. It's basically like we say this, God, I need you to submit and surrender and serve my identity and my ideologies. Where what we should be saying is my identity and my ideology submit, serve, and surrender to Jesus Christ. But instead, we've allowed our identity and our ideologies to become the new idolatry of this generation. And last time I checked, I don't think they're the best gods. I don't think I'm the best god. Yet I'll live that way. I mean, ask yourself that. Ask yourself that personally. Like I said, it's, it's a sermon for the heart today. Like, who is the better God? You or Jesus? Well, like, who's the better God at defending and fighting? And when I say that, probably our natural response would be like, well, God, yet, how often do we think I'm the one who determines my outcome? I'm the one who determines. I'm the one who can fight for this. I'm the one who can defend this. That we, that we put so much hope and belief in our own ability to fight and defend ourselves and our family. So much so that, that we think that we're better at it. And here, here's news. I, I'm, I'm going to guess this. That, that we believe this. And I believe that part of it is that we believe this because that, that we believe we're great at it because we live in the independent republic of Horry County. You know what I'm saying? Like if anybody could defend themselves, it would be those of us who live in Horry County and maybe some of our friends who live in Texas, okay? But at best, I'm 50-50. Like at best. At best, I'm 50-50 at defending myself. I, I know that one just from the fights I got in in high school. I'm not proud of it, but it's just reality. I got in four fights in high school, four fists. I went two for two. And the last one I lost was to a guy with one arm. Yeah, your preacher got beat up by a guy with one arm. I know you're thinking right now, kick him out of Horry County, okay? Um, like, I'm at best. Like for you UFC fans, Kevin, I know you'll get this. Like I feel like I'm Khabib, and at best I'm Conor McGregor, getting beat up all the time. That, that, that for you football fans, that, that, that I want to be Georgia, but I'm a little bit more like TCU. 
Just getting whooped. I lose. You know who doesn't lose? You know who's undefeated? Jesus Christ. He's undefeated. He is the better fighter and defender. And he said that in scripture. Go back to this book of Joshua. It says, when you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites and the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave you victory over them. Like, I gave you victory. That, that, that what... what What God is saying here is that you went to fight a battle and I fought on your behalf. And what we find all through scripture is anytime God is fighting on your behalf, that he is victorious, that he doesn't lose. Look at the battle of Jericho. These Israelites came in and they they saw this huge wall. And when they they saw this huge wall, they're like, how are we going to do this? God said, march around the city. Just march around it. On the seventh day, march around it seven times, and the walls will fall in. And I know the story sounds crazy, but that's what they did. And on the seventh day, they went seven times around the city. And on that seventh time, they shouted real loud. They blew a trumpet. The walls caved in, and they went in victorious. And every time they went with God, they were victorious. He's undefeated. Yet, we try to fight for our marriage on our own. We try to fight for our kids on our own. We try to fight for our spouse on our own. We try to fight over our addiction on our own. We try to fight over over my sin habits on my own. We try to fight for my financial health on my own. What would it look like if we said, you know what? I'm not God. Instead, I'm just going to turn it over to the Lord, and I'm going to ask him to fight this battle. I'm going to look to him to fight for me and defend for me. And I'll come alongside. I'll do my part, but I'll trust him for the victory. Who's the better at fighting and defending? Who's the better at providing? Again, we'll hit that idea that, that we think that, that we're the ones that provide for ourselves. Like, my, like, like Josh, I go to work. I, I wake up early. I work hard. I, I, I make a paycheck. I, I put food on the table. That We have a roof over our head. That's great. And that's what we should do. The Lord talks about that all the time, about not being lazy and working hard and doing that. Yet if we think that everything we have is because of what we have done, we are confused. Because everything we have is a gift from God. Going back to the text, it reads like this. It says, I gave you land you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build. The towns you are now living, where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. That, that, that the Lord is saying, everything you have comes from me. I am the one who provides. I think farmers are probably the best at understanding this. I have a good buddy, his name is Joe, and he's a farmer back in Illinois, and I went to church with him for years, and he played in our band, and, and every spring we'd be talking, and I'd be like, how's it going? He's like, got it all in the ground. I'm like, good. What kind of year are you? What, what, what you thinking? How you doing? And he's like, I'm done. <laughs> like, like, he knows he has some work to do that he'd have to do throughout it all, but bottom line is he'd go, I can't decide when it rains. 
I can't decide how much rain we're going to get this year. I can't decide what the harvest is going to look like. I have done my part. Now I simply trust God. And you see farmers that understand provision. You see people who live in third world countries. They understand provision. And we would all do well to understand it as as well. That it's not up to us. We work hard, but we trust God to provide. I, I love the way King David said it. He said, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. That David was saying, everything we have is a gift. Uh, So again, ask yourself this question. Do you serve the old God or new gods? Or the true God? And how do you know which one's the better God? Well, who's the better protector and fighter? Who's the better provider? Last one, who's the better rescuer? Going back to the story, it reads this way. It says, the people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve the God. So this is just after Joshua said, so who are you going to serve? And they're like, well, we would never abandon the Lord. We would never serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, is the one who rescues us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. That he is the one who rescued us from slavery. That, That it is God. And God is the one who can rescue us today. Yet, what I believe is too many times what we'll end up doing is we'll try to save ourselves. Is we'll think, well, I can fix this problem. I can fix this sin issue. I can fix this family mess. I can fix my my school situation. I can fix my finances. I can fix this relationship. That that maybe we even look inward and we see that we've sinned and we've messed up and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And we know that the death penalty uh, is what comes along with sin, spiritual death because of sin. And and we'll get to this point, we'll go, well, well, because I know I've messed up, I've got to do things right. I've got to make things right. And we'll fall into this trap thinking, well, if I just do enough good things, if I just get better then I'll be better than my bad, and I'll be in a good position. And we try to save ourselves, and that just doesn't work. We're not very good at saving ourselves. We actually stink at it. And anytime you try to save yourself, anytime you try to rescue yourself in whatever that situation is, what we actually do is cause ourselves to sink quicker. I remember a time, I was just a teenager, and uh, I grew up working at, um, as a lifeguard, and, and I was living back in Indiana, and I was working at South Lake Beach Club. Now, I want you to hear the irony. I was in Indiana working at the Beach Club, and if you know anything about Indiana, I already told you, it's cornfields. 
But we had had a gravel pit that they kind of like changed into a little swimming hole and they dropped some sand down and I was a lifeguard there. And it was guarded there every summer. And one summer, I, I met this young family. And when I say young family, some young kids. And the, the, the girl, I don't know how old she is, was, I, I'm going to guess she was around eight. And she had a little brother. I'm going to guess he was around five. And uh, her, her brother, the younger brother, um, he was deaf, totally deaf. And uh, I, I kind of connected with them beginning of the summer and learned a little bit of sign language. And we talked throughout. And I could tell they couldn't swim. Uh, so I would spend a, at least one day each week trying to teach them how to swim. And towards the end of the summer, the 8-year-old, the she was doing fine. And, and the little 5-year-old, that, that he was getting by. Well, it was that point of the day where, where there weren't very many people left at the beach. So I said, hey, would you guys like to go out to the dock? And kind of said it to the girl, and she explained it to her brother. And they were like, yeah, you know, because they'd never been to the dock. And what the dock was is after you left the shallow end, you'd have to swim to the deep end. And there was a dock with diving boards on it. And so we went out there, and she was able to swim herself, and I kind of swam beside him and helped him every now and then. And then we got to the dock, and, and uh, I sat down on the guard chair and said, jump off, you know what I mean? And sure enough, the, the girl got up there, and she got on the diving board and ran off and bounced and jumped in and just heard her squeal as she did. She had a blast, right? Well, her brother immediately took off running afterwards. Well, I yelled, no, wait, but he can't hear and I needed him to wait because she was right there. But, but sure enough, he ran off and he jumped and he hit the water. And when he hit the water, it spooked him. And you can imagine. Because it spooked him, he started to freak out. And he forgot how to swim. And then all of a sudden, he starts flailing. Just throwing his arms, doing everything he can to save himself, but that didn't work. So if you know anything about anybody who's drowning, they will grab on to anything they can find. Well, what he could find was his sister. So he immediately grabbed onto her. Well, she wasn't a good enough swimmer to control, to handle both of them, so they just started to sink. Now remember, this is 20 foot deep water in the middle of a lake. Well, I'm on the chair, and I see it quick enough, so I'm, I'm not freaking yet, but I just dive in, and, and when I dove in, I kind of went down low and then came up, because I knew that'd be easier, and was able to just come in between them, separate them, and then take them to the top of the surface. I tell you this story for this reason. I think so many times we are just like this little kid. That, that, that we jump in and something happens and it spooks us or, or life hits or whatever. And then immediately we try to save ourselves. Immediately we start flailing our arms. And then we think, I, I got to figure this out. And when it doesn't work and we recognize that, man, I'm not working very good at saving myself. We grab on to whatever we can find to save us. That, that, that we'll grab on to whatever it is. That, that, man, I'll just, I'll grab onto some money because if I can buy my way out of this, and here's what happens. We grab onto to that money, and it just causes us to sink faster. That, that we'll grab onto some alcohol, we'll think, I've just got to numb the pain, and it causes us to sink faster. And that we'll grab onto a relationship, and it causes us to sink faster. We'll even grab onto our good works. They will think, I'll just do better, and if I get better, I'll be all right, and I'll be good tonight, and I'll do better, and we grab onto those good works, and it just causes us to sink faster because they can't save us. The only thing that can save us is Jesus Christ. 
And praise be to him that he was in heaven on his throne. And when he saw us sinking, he didn't stay there. He dove into the water, went all the way down to the pits of hell, and came up to rescue us so that we could have life eternal. That he is by far the best at rescuing and the best at providing and the best at fighting and defending. So why would we want any other God, whether that's an old God or a new God, why, why would we choose any other God? Because no other God is better. And when Joshua said this to the people that day, they heard it and they're like, yes, we're in. I'm in. We're going to serve the Lord. And I love what Joshua said. That I I love Joshua said, whoa, time out. It's not that easy. This isn't just to throw your hand up in the air and say, yeah, I'm in. He goes, are you sure? I love how he said it. He, He said this. He said, then Joshua warned the people. You're not able to serve the Lord. Like, they're like, we're in. He's like, no, you're not. You can't do it. Look what he says. For he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins if if you abandon the Lord and serve other gods. He will turn against you and he will destroy you even though he's been so good to you. Guys, hear this with all the compassion in my heart. That if we think that this is just that, well, I'll just say the name of Jesus and it's good. If I just throw my hand up once and say, yeah, I'm in, it's good. No, he says, with your whole heart, give it up. With everything. And then don't abandon him to go worship other gods, some other form of idolatry. Because if you do, destruction awaits. What he said about destroying back then is no different than today. Oh, he wants to do so good. He wants to do so much good for you, and he already has. Surrender and serve him. I love how the people said it. They said, but the people answered Joshua, no. No, we will not turn back. We will not walk away. We will serve the Lord. And Joshua said this. Joshua recorded these things in the book of God's instruction. As a reminder of their agreement, he took a huge stone and he rolled it beneath the terebinth tree beside the tabernacle of the Lord. Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. Like I just picture Joshua in the middle of this speech, he's talking to his people and he's like, okay, okay, all right, you hear me? I hear you. I'll tell you what. You see that rock? Like I picture him going, you see that rock? Let's use this rock as an illustration. 
that, that let's grab this rock and let it be a testimony. Uh, let, let's let this rock stand witness to what, what has been said, to what has been heard. Well, like, I don't think Joshua started his speech that day with, oh, at the end of it, I'll use this rock. No, like, I, I think he was just in the moment, and he said, hey, here's a rock. Let it be a witness to what was said. Let it be a witness to what was heard, that today, on this day, that you, your family, and Israel said, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, when I read that in the text, when I was preparing for this message, I was like, we need a rock. I mean, as a church, we're called the rock. We should have a rock. So we got a rock. And this rock was placed here as a testimony of people who have said, I'm going to serve the Lord. And there's people Thursday night and earlier today who have come up. And some of it are our families. The Coopers came up and said, we're going to serve the Lord. The Dudley said, we're going to serve the Lord. The Marlowe said, we're going to serve the Lord. There's some families. I watched them come up as families. I watched a young teenage boy lead his mom and dad say, I got us. And then I see individuals up here who have come by themselves. Ella or Brooke or Matt. Jacqueline saying, I'm going to serve the Lord. As for me in my house, me in my house. So, so that's the challenge today. If you're here maybe as an individual for you to say, you know what? I'm done with other gods. Maybe you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ ever in your life. And you've been trying all kinds of other gods. You've tried the God of money. You've tried the God of popularity. You've tried the God of, of status. You've tried the, the, the gods of this world. And you're like, they're not working. They're not protecting. They're not providing. They're not rescuing. Maybe today's the day where you say, I'm done with those other gods. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I'm going to invite you to come up and write your name down. And surrender your life to Jesus, not on a whim, but because you say, you know what? I want Jesus as my Savior. And then I'm going to invite you to follow that by taking a step of baptism. And either doing it today or signing up to get baptized. Talked to a couple people earlier this, this morning who are getting baptized next week because they said, I will serve the Lord. So maybe it's you as an individual. Maybe it's you as a family or, or as an individual recommitting. Like Joshua. Joshua stood up in front of that whole crowd and he said, we're going to serve the Lord. All right? That's what he said. He said, we're going to serve the Lord. That, that He had been serving the Lord all of his life. 100 plus years old, he'd been serving the Lord. But he stood in front of the people that day and he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And if that's you today, you come up. You write your name on this rock. And then when you do, I'm going to invite you to do one other thing. I'm going to invite you to pick up a card. There's a couple cards on the stage here. There's some cards on that table over there. 
And these cards, there's 10 different cards. Don't worry about what they say. Just pick one up. Doesn't matter. Just pick one up. And whatever that card says, do it this week. Just do it as an act of service to the Lord. That you say, because I serve the Lord, this is what it's calling me to do. And it might cost you 10 bucks. It might cost you an hour of your time. But you as a family or you with your people, you take this card and let's serve the Lord. What are you going to do? Why don't you stand up with me? Wrestle with this question. Choose today who you will serve. If it's the other gods, so be it. But if it's the Lord, serve him with all of your heart. If you'd like to give that as a testimony, come up here and put it on the rock. As for me and my house, we're going to serve